people dogs and pigs, right? And basically what he said was these people don't see their need. They don't see themselves as needy people. They totally miss it. They don't see their sin. They don't see their need for a God who provides. They don't see any of it. Therefore, don't give them, when you give them the message of the gospel, don't be surprised, I guess, when they turn on you and make it um, something about you rather than something about them because they don't see their need and they respond with anger. Jesus here is saying, is following that up by encouraging us to live as human beings, full, authentic human beings which means we see our need, we see uh, the need for grace, we see our sin, and we respond not by running from Him, but instead running to Him and requesting these things and receiving from Him. And so we, we come to receive. Don't make the mistake that we often make, which is we hear this message uh, of verse 6, don't be dogs and pigs who, who trample on the, the word of grace and the word of need. And we, we respond with, all right, I'm going to get to work on that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not be that person. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to get faith. How do I do that? And Jesus says, hold on. You're the receiver. I'm going to give and you're going to receive. That's how this works. And he encourages us to take a posture of receiving. So it, this sort of posture, arms out, palms up, ready to receive from him. That's the spiritual life. That's it. It's receiving from Him. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says this, What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? All we have, we've received. Now, the problem with receiving is a couple things, which is why those people in verse 6 didn't want to do it. The problems with it are you have to admit your need, and then you have to admit that you can't fix the problem. And those are things that are quite hard for some of you. I mean, some of us, right? Yes, quite hard for us, isn't it? Admit the need, and then admit you can't even fix the need. That leaves us in a, in a real situation, doesn't it? Jesus has been saying that throughout this sermon, in case you missed it. You're needy. If you've read through the Sermon on the Mount and heard, and, and heard Jesus saying, you can do it. Go for it. You've totally missed Jesus. <laughs> He's been saying the whole time, you can't do it. The law, you can't do the law. You're not as righteous as you think you are. Over and over, you are a needy person. You're in need. And so he said, you need, you need help with spiritual insight. You can't get that on your own. You need help with that. You need help for self-reflection. You've got a huge log in your eye. You can't see it. You need help to see it. You can't even provide for yourself the daily necessities of life. It's okay, he said in chapter 6. I'm going to provide those. I'm your Father who provides those for you. No need to worry about those. I've got it under control. So as receivers, how do we come to God? We come to Him like this passage talks about. Asking for help asking to receive. Now, I don't know if you're like me. I don't like asking for help. If I go to, into a store and we're looking for something, it's like, ask them where it is. I'm like, I'm not asking them where it is. I will find it. So you're going to wander around the store for an hour instead of just ask someone and go right there and be at 10 minutes. Yes, I am. You know, especially if you're at a store like, a, like an outdoors store or something. It's like, I don't want these people to know I don't know anything about the outdoors. I'm a man, you know? So, I, 
wander around like, at this store and, and don't ask anybody. That's how I am, but I'm, some of you may be like that too, right? You're in a group of people. You don't want to ask a question because you think, oh, what does that say about me? Right? All of us don't want to naturally ask for help, but God's saying, hey, you're receivers. Admit that you're needy. Not only that, but admit that you, need, you, you can't fix the situation on your own, that you need help to fix the situation. We don't want to see or, or be seen as weak. We don't want to be a child. We reject that. But that's how Jesus is picturing, picturing us here in the Sermon on the Mount over and over and over again. You are a needy, dependent child. God's your father. You're his children. You go back to chapter 5 in Matthew, you remember even the blessedness that he's talking about. Where does it come from? It comes from a, a poverty of spirit. It comes from a mourning. It comes from a meekness. It comes from a lack of righteousness and a desire for it. It comes from a mercifulness. Do you see all these, these, these qualities that make us receivers from God? And these dogs and pigs and other, these professional religious people, they wanted to be connected with God, but they didn't want to be receivers. They didn't want to be weak. And God says, that doesn't work. To be connected with me, to enter into this spiritual life, the first movement is towards weakness. The first movement is towards receiving. The first movement is towards, I can't, I need help. That's the very first movement of the spiritual life. But it's not... Only in case you get the wrong idea, it's not just initially that we're needy. Jesus presents here a continual neediness. So it's not just like neediness gets you into the the world of Christianity. Jesus is saying, no, neediness is the continual state. Receiving is the continual state of the Christian. We come as dependent children. We never graduate to anything else. Hear the good news this morning. You never graduate towards anything else. We enter as dependent children, and we stay dependent children the entire time as believers. In our neediness and dependency, though, he invites us into this. He's got an invitation for us. He says, you see your neediness? Great. The invitation is come, ask, seek, knock. I'm the Father. So, So come, let me be your father. Live as though I am your father. He's working for our good. He's deepening our faith. And he involves us in the process. You see that? He could just do that all on his own. You know, just be behind the scenes doing it. Instead, he says, be a part of the process. I'll tell you what. I'll show you your neediness. And then instead of me just doing something about it, how about you come to me and experience me as an actual father who gives and experience me as an actual father who provides for you and loves you and and attends to you. How about that? Then you'll actually know me like a father. Instead of just some distant being, I'll be like a father to you. And so he includes us and welcomes us and invites us into this by saying, ask, seek, not hear that invitation from Jesus there. Now, here's the question that he left out is, okay, what areas of life 
are we allowed to pursue you? And I know you're busy, God. You've got a lot happening. So which exactly areas of life can we come to you with? Which are not too, you know, small and the things that you roll your eyes at? What are the things that you really will help us with? You know, that might be a, a question that we think of. Hey, of course, there's no such thing as that. So he leaves all of that out because it is that wide. Ask, seek, knock. Whatever it is that you need as dependent children, come to me and ask of me, and I will provide it for you. Instead, sometimes what do we do? Instead of the three ask, seek, knock, we often run, hide, and fix, you know? He says, come, receive from me, ask, seek, knock, and we either run, this reminds me a lot of Genesis chapter 3, we either run and hide or we go off and try to fix it ourselves, both of which don't understand that we have a loving Father who invites us to come and who desires to provide for us. Look at, think about Psalm 103, 14. For He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Let that give you encouragement to go to your good Father. He knows you're needy. He knows we're but dust. There's a great old hymn some of you may remember if you have been a a part of church for a while, and that is, I need thee every hour. I need thee every hour. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee every hour. I'm so needy. I'm I'm such a, a receiving being. I need you. And our response to the neediness, he says, is to pursue. Pursue him. Go to him. It's interesting that it's not that there's no action on our part. It's just that it's a dependent action. So don't think, you know, in the spiritual life there's no action on your part. That's not necessarily true. He says, no, come seek, ask, knock. That's some action on our part. But those are dependent actions. Those are actions that move us more in the, in the way of dependence than in independence. You know, and, and that's, what he's, that's what he's really inviting us into. Dependence isn't necessarily opposed to action. Dependence is opposed to independence, right? Dependence is not opposed to action. So come, ask, help. He invites us to pursue him in that. There's an issue, though, in regards to pursuing God with our needs that maybe most of you have thought about or experienced, and that is we're usually thinking solution, answer. He might be thinking more process. He might be thinking journey, and we're thinking destination with our needs. The only thing that I would like Jesus to elaborate on, well, there's a couple things, but one is the exact timing here of the answering. So, He says, you know, come to me, ask, seek, knock, and I will answer you. Excuse me, Jesus, real quick, how long will that take? Uh, We've drafted a document here. It simply says that within 48 hours you will respond to our requests. If you wouldn't mind just signing that quickly for us so that we're on the same page. And he just smiles and says, I love you, you know. You're special. That's what I hear a lot. You're special. That's, that's what we want. We want a timing to this. Okay, if you say you're going to answer us and provide for us, here we are. 
it hasn't happened yet. I, I, need, I need some more specifics on the timing. He doesn't make any promises there. Instead, what he says is he's committed to helping us experience his fatherhood. He's committed to teaching us about how he cares for us, how he attends to us, how he listens to us. That's what he's committing to here. And he will answer us. Unfortunately, it just may not be within the 48-hour window that we want him to. Thirdly, this involves then trusting Believing in what we don't see. Matthew 7, 9 through 11. Or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good gifts, give good things to those who ask him? So when we make these requests to God, maybe we're at the spot where we actually do see our neediness, we hear His invitation, we enter into it, and we sort of hear nothing, feel nothing, nothing changes. We're a little unsure if this is even true. We're a little unsure if He is our Father who's listening, who attends to us, all those things. So there is something of faith involved, I want to remind you of a statement we read several weeks ago about the fatherhood of God from J.I. Packer. And he says, you sum up the whole New Testament teaching in a single phrase if you speak of it as a revelation of the fatherhood of our holy creator. In the same way you sum up the whole New Testament religion if you describe the knowledge of God as one's holy father. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, give them a theological test. No. Find out how much he makes of the fatherhood, of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this thought, if this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. That's what Jesus is building all of this on, the fatherhood of God, the amazing fatherhood of God, not just in a statement, not just like theologically, not, you know what I mean? Like actual fatherhood, like actual provision in life for needs type of fatherhood. So I want you to let this verse provide you with great hope and, and promise in those times where it's really difficult. Whatever need you see, whatever need you have in the moment, remember these words, everyone who asks receives. And if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good gifts, give good things to those who ask Him? He will provide. Keep asking. Keep seeking. And ask Him for faith to believe that this promise is really true when we start to waver. Also, don't be afraid to call out in frustration. There's this book of the Bible called the Psalms that is extremely real and rugged. And you hear things like this. Um, Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take courage. Wait for the Lord. 
The Psalms addresses us when, when, we, when we're in that same spot. We have the promise. We're not seeing it. We're desperately needing some faith. And some of you, this just seems too simple, doesn't it? It's like, Pastor, amen. But I wish I could tell you my story. You know, that, that seems really simple, but I've been praying for decades now and haven't heard anything. You know, I've been without a job for this long. We've been without children for this long. We've been suffering for this long. So that's a great text, and it, and it makes a heck of a bumper sticker, but it really is tough when it comes to the nitty-gritty of life, isn't it? And so the answer we have to those in that place is, we're sorry, we don't know. Okay, we don't, this community doesn't come with the exact answers to that, that, that issue. What we do come is with a community that loves you and wants to walk with you and support you and continue to pray for you and suffer with you. And that's, I think, what we're called to, not necessarily giving you the answer as if we've received it from God and you just don't have it yet. But just like that Psalm 27, I think what he might be doing which I'm sorry to say and wouldn't wish on any of us, is he's doing something in the waiting. God's people know a lot about waiting, if you think about it. Forty years wandering through a desert, that's some waiting. What about in between the two testaments? You have the the end of God speaking, and then you have like 400 years. We're waiting. The Savior could come any time now. Go ahead, waiting. More psalms. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Psalm 62. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From Him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. Lamentations 3.25. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him. The soul who seeks Him. It would be nice if we could just get a sharpie and go through the Bible and take some of these out, wouldn't it? Blessed is the one who waits on the Lord. Waiting is terrible. I despise waiting. Blessed is the one who's in a place of waiting. The other thing that I'd like to get in our contract with Jesus that we have, we've, we've already proposed a, a timeline, which I think is wise. And now secondly, I'd like to propose to Jesus a definition of exactly what is good gifts in verse 11. If you then are evil, know how to good gifts, give good gifts to your Father. How much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Okay, what exactly do you mean good things? Can we get a list of those? Because we might not be on the same page there. Romans 5 points us in this direction. We rejoice in our suffering knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Suffering seems to be a a good thing. It produces good fruit. So God defines good quite differently, I think, than us, we could agree. Learning to trust and faith in our waiting, that's good. That's a good gift. Long-suffering, good gift. Knowing the depth of our sin, it's a good gift. 
Selflessness, good gift. Weakness, dependence, good gifts. A joy that isn't connected to life's circumstances, that's a really good gift. Peace that isn't connected to your circumstances, a great gift. Living for another kingdom, living that they're, they're with, with hope and promise that there is another kingdom, with a desire for another kingdom, good gifts. But you know how those come about, right? Not quickly, not easily, not in ways we might desire. You've got you to think about this. I, I doubt Jesus in this, like, initial sermon. You know, this is like his inaugural address. I doubt he would put something in there that's not that important. Nor probably would the church, for centuries, keep it if it was like, I don't know if it really applies to life. I don't know if that really makes a difference. He's such a good pastor and shepherd of our souls to, to have this in here. To say, I know little ones, you're going to waver. I know little ones, you're going to think I'm not around. Ask, seek, knock, receive from me. Have faith that I am here. So maybe you're in a job situation that's really tough, and you're waiting and hoping that conditions will change. You're without a job and waiting to hear on another application. Maybe you're ill or a loved one is ill and waiting for their health to improve. Maybe you're on a diet and waiting for those pounds to magically go away. Maybe you're waiting to become pregnant to start a family. Maybe you're single and waiting for Mr. or Mrs. Wright. Maybe you're waiting for your spouse or child to finally get interested, you know, in spiritual things. You're in a place of waiting. Our message to you is to cling to the fatherhood of God. Or maybe better, know that God is clinging to you as a child even when you've totally forgotten Him as your father or written Him off as your father. That He's still clinging to you because He's your loving Father. He knows. He knows the things you're going through and He says, come, ask, seek, knock. God, our Father, invites us to ask and promises to provide. Remember this verse. If, the, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? May our souls find real rest in those words in the midst of troubling times, in the midst of good times, when the circumstances of our lives point to a different conclusion. May we go back and say, God, give us faith in these words. We need your help. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your attending to us. And I want to pray for those right now, God, who hear you say, hear Jesus say, ask, seek, knock, and it will be given. The door will be opened. It will be revealed. And that it's, it's really hard to believe at this moment. And circumstances of life seem to point to the exact opposite, that you've left the building, that you're not attending to them, that you've forgotten them. Would you in some way remind them of your fatherhood, of your love for them, 
that you're a loving Father who gives good things to His children, and only good things. And may we start to somehow see where we are and see in our waiting or in our hoping and our seeking and our knocking, may we see that somehow as a, as a good gift. Give us faith. We desperately, desperately need it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.